Carnegie, one of the pastors at East Point Bible Church, and I'm excited to be sharing with you this week on the Touch Points podcast. Today, I want to look at the concept of roles we Christians have and why they exist. All of us have roles in life, whether they be our role in a family, such as parent, child, sibling, etc., our role in a workplace or school, or really any group of people we're a part of. Having a role and fulfilling it well are two different things, though, and often, the better we understand and appreciate our roles, the more we buy into our responsibility to fulfill them. The church is no different. We each have roles within our local churches, and the church as a whole has a role in the world. Yet if we don't spend the time to really understand those roles and the reason why God gives them, we tend to frankly ignore them, or at least shortchange them, and we miss out on the powerful opportunities God grants us. In Titus chapter 2, the Apostle Paul lays out some of the most basic roles we all play within the local church, but he follows it up by explaining how they exist to fulfill the church's role in the world so that we can all have a vision for how our obedience in the mundane tasks of life is accomplishing God's purposes for all of humanity. Let's go ahead and walk through that chapter together. If you have handy access to a Bible, I'd recommend opening to that chapter for yourself, because while I will still read it out loud, I'll be jumping in and out of the text a bit to connect some threads together for us. I'm going to leave out the first and last verses of the chapter, since they are transition statements to what comes before and after. But here's what Paul says by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, starting with verses 2 through 10. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible, In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect." Now, there are lots of details about each of those roles that we could unpack, but for the sake of trying to stay on point, I'm going to focus on some common threads throughout the passage. The first takeaway we see here in these exhortations is that there's both an implicit and an explicit expectation that all of us as Christians are to be examples for others, older men and women for their younger counterparts, younger men and women for their children, and all of us for the rest of the world. Most of us are well aware of how much of an influence we have as parents, so Paul doesn't actually directly address it here with young men and women. But it's important enough that it bears emphasis because it's present in so many other passages in Scripture. No one else is as big an influence on our children as we are, and no matter how much we teach them with our words, our character will be the way that impacts them the most. Now, while that's a sobering thought for reflection for those of us who are parents, The actual emphasis in the text is on the responsibility for older generations to set an example for younger ones. Paul even makes that connection explicit when he transitions from talking about the expected character for older women in the body 
to that which is expected of younger ones with the words, so that. What follows is the intended result of what came before. In this case, all that he stresses important for more senior female saints is because if they are faithful to exhibit that character, it will encourage younger women to be faithful as well. Sometimes we are tempted to think our days of being an important influence end when our children grow up. But this passage makes clear that the church still needs the influence of strong character from its elder saints in order for the next generation to pick up the torch and carry it well. Also, you don't have to have been a parent for your character to matter as an example for others. Just like children are always paying attention to their parents, even if they are complaining about them, so too the younger generations are picking up their cues from the character of the ones that came before them. And when our more experienced and battle-tested saints give up on the ones coming after them, the effects of that decision can be felt for generations to come. So while our passage gives several specifics about what that character should entail for different people, how best can we describe it so we don't have to do five separate lessons? Well, the second and even more emphasized point in our text is that we are to be sensible in our behavior. For three of the five groups, Paul uses that word to describe the character to which they should aspire. Plus, he uses similar words like dignified or sound, as in healthy and strong, multiple times to drive the point home. Sensible comes from a Greek word that means to be prudent, thoughtful, or self-controlled. In other words, one of the Christian's defining character traits in all walks of life should be that we are not given to reckless, uncontrolled behavior. We should be upstanding citizens who demonstrate wisdom, a trait frequently extolled in Scripture, in ways that exceed whatever standard culture sets for us. That character trait is also a good summary of the expectations put forth for the other two groups in that section. So why is it so important to set an example of being sensible in our behavior? At first glance, this sounds dangerously close to pushing some sort of stiff, legalistic Christianity. Fortunately, Paul goes on to explain in the next section. Go ahead and follow along as I read verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Did you catch how that started? It's another one of those instances where a little word makes a big difference. He starts with the word for, which, as it's used here, indicates that whatever follows gives the reason for what came before. Praise God for those little words that help us connect the big thoughts in our Bibles. Why is our character important? Because the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to people, as verse 11 says, and as the next two verses go on to say, that grace teaches us to live with character in this age. Notice sensibly shows up again in verse 12. While we wait on the age to come when all ungodliness is removed once and for all. The connection between grace and salvation to our character here and now is in verse 14, which says that Christ came to redeem us from our sins and to purify for himself a people who are zealous to do right. So what's the short version of all this? 
God's grace has made and is making us into Christ's people, and Christ's people have righteous character. So our behavior as Christians either shows the proof of God's grace in our lives or obscures it. You see that connection made already for us in the first section over and over. Young women in verse 5 need to display good character so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Young men in verse 8 should be beyond reproach so that the opponent will be, be will be put to shame having nothing bad to say. And slaves must be model employees in verse 10 so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. Our character is not actually about us. It's our witness to the world that the gospel is real because it's producing real change, producing a character that doesn't conform to worldly standards, but rather far exceeds them because it is the evidence that Christ and his gospel are real and have real power to change us. I realize this may be discouraging to some who have displayed less than sensible character in the past, but if instead of looking at ourselves and our failures, which we all have, we instead look to the grace offered us and God's will to make us into a holy people, we can begin to be changed by that grace in ways that actually begin to use our past of, as proof of that grace and that will when people see the difference in us. Now, some people are born sensible and have no problem being upstanding citizens, maybe even take some pride in their behavior. I would remind us then that the point of that character is to showcase who we are as God's people and the reality of his grace despite our moral failings, which we all have, not for us to take any confidence in any righteousness we display since none of it is sufficient to save us. The fact that some of us hide our sin better than others doesn't change the fact that we all need Christ's sanctifying power and that our character is displaying God's greatness and power not our own. As we think once again about roles, I hope and pray this chapter from Titus encourages us to take our character as Christians more seriously. First, for those younger and less experienced than us to give them examples of what sanctification looks like. And second, for the rest of the world to see that the gospel we offer is real and powerful and able to change in ways nothing else on earth can, so that they might believe it has the power and to save in ways nothing else on earth can. I know it's easy to let certain roles slide when we have no reason to take them seriously, but I hope seeing that we have literally the most important reason in the world, the Great Commission to share Christ's gospel will help us to zealously take on our roles as individuals within our churches to our brothers and sisters, as well as our roles as a part of the body of Christ to the rest of the world. I pray this has been edifying to you. May we live sensibly for the glory of our Lord and the furtherance of his gospel. Amen.